The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Throughout this Easter season, we are going a little bit at a time through little snippets of, of the book of Revelation. And so far, we, we started at Revelation chapter 1, then we skipped ahead to Revelation 5. And now here this morning, we're going to look at uh, Revelation chapter 7. And for the first time in the book, for the first time in the book, we're going to get to see just how full heaven is. And this is, this is just fantastic. If you are with us online, you're going to want to pull out your Bibles because we're going to look at this little lesson in detail. And if you're with us here in the church, um, we are we are going to be on page 11 there. And I'm going to read that for you now. This wonderful vision. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? Clothed in white robes, and where do they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne with shelter in their presence, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Almost everything almost, is incredibly <laughs> and outrageously glorious. Like, right here, all of God's promises come to a full and glorious completion and resolution. Think back all the way to the beginning of the Bible. Where God said to one man named Abram, your descendants will number like the stars. And John is there and, he, and he's standing 
and he sees that heaven is full. So full that you cannot count the number of people that are there. A multitude so great like like the stars. I was thinking about how to how to how to show you this, how, how, to, how to depict this, how to, how to push into your hearts the number of people that are there. And it's impossible. Some people <laughs> tried to picture and put on a graph like what it would be like to have billions of dollars. People are talking about this because Elon Musk is buying Twitter. And they said... For those of you, or for those who believe in evolution, this might be a helpful picture. Like, you'd have to go back to prehistoric times, and if you're taking a salary from Amazon, you'd have to work from prehistoric times all the way till now, and then you'd have maybe enough money to buy Twitter. And that you can actually count, right? But heaven is so full of people that you cannot count them. And then John says that heaven is diverse. Again with Abraham. He said to Abraham in the very beginning of the Bible, we go all the way back to Genesis, and now we're bookended with Revelation. He said to Abraham, Abraham, you will be the father of many nations, and he is. John saw it. Every tribe, every language, every nation is there Heaven is multicolored and, and multilingual and it's beautiful and it's diverse and it's full. I mean, everything about this scene is, is incredibly glorious. It's almost perfect. Almost. And then there's John. And he's standing at the pearly gates of heaven seeing this incredible scene and he's a parasite on it. It's the only way I can picture it. He's like a, he's like a tick that leaves a festering wound. He's like, he's like a boil because he could have reacted to the scene in so many different ways. He really could have. And most Christians, when, when they read this, isn't it true that we read this and we're like, wow. And, and in prayer, we say, oh my God. God, is that glorious and awesome. I mean, most of us are just blown away and we're supremely comforted. Like, all of our guilt, all of our mess-ups, all of our shame, all of our defeats and our inglorious lives end like this. And we think, wow, God, this is amazing. But John... John sees it all and he's like a tick or a boil and he spoils the whole thing. Because he stands there and instead of a, a full heart of gratitude to God, instead of being comforted, he's in what we might call the deep pain of ignorance. He, he's like, Maybe this happened to you before. Ignorance is painful sometimes. 
You, like when you take your kid to the mall and for like three minutes, you lose track of them. And your heart <laughs> starts to race and your anxiety levels shoot up like crazy because you're ignorant. The fact of the matter is this, that like to, to have your kid kidnapped or something awful happen to them, the possibilities of that are extremely low. But since you don't know for those three minutes what's happening to them, there's a deep pain. Or it's the, the deep pain of ignorance. Like I've, I've, I've seen this before. Like you go, to, you go to a funeral of your loved one and everything about the funeral is about the New York Yankees. Have you been to one of these funerals like this? Where like the, the flowers and the roses are New York Yankee colors and um, the symbolism is there and there's no Christian symbolism at all. And you sit there and you think to yourself, this guy, I know that he loved the New York Yankees. And he could, he could quote to you the stats of every single Yankee slugger. But if you asked him anything about Jesus, he maybe wouldn't know anything. And you have this pain of ignorance. Well, what happened when he died? And that's painful for people. And here's John, you know, he, he, he's at the, at the gates of heaven itself, and he's seeing this, this glorious scene, and he's in total ignorance. And the elder must have known it. You know, I, don't, I don't know how he knew it. Maybe God gave him some insight. Maybe the Spirit gave him some insight into John's heart in that moment. But the elder goes up and he asks a question, not for him, but for John. Two questions, actually, to take John out of his ignorance. He says to John, this is verse 13, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And here we're going to see John's ignorance in, in full relief. John says, I don't know. It's what he says. Like, it's very pious. I know. It's very pious. Like, some people, you might think that, oh, he's just being respectful of the elder that was there. But that's not really what happened. what's happening here. This is like Ezekiel. Remember that scene in Ezekiel? Where Ezekiel is looking at all those dead bones in, in the Bible. And then someone goes up to Ezekiel and he says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know he's so hopeless and here's john he's that that boy he's ruining the whole thing he's like a party pooper in the middle of heaven and he's like i, I don't know who can they be who who are these great immortal people that are walking around who are these perfect ones these righteous ones these victorious ones i don't know where do they come from you know i don't know he's in the deep pain of ignorance and, and maybe, maybe you've been in, in, in that place before, right there with John. It's, it, it's a deep pain. We've had these conversations, haven't we? I know you, you know me. We, we, we sit here on this side of things, and we have these little conversations past 
Christ struggle with pornography. Pastor my marriage. Pastor my family. Pastor my faith is weak. Pastor this, pastor that. And we have these little conversations. And we look at a scene like this as like, they're so victorious, so immortal, so blessed, so righteous. Who can these people possibly be? And where do they come from? I don't know. You look around and be like, could it be from New York? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But I'm not that hopeful. Here's John. In, in, this, in this deep pain of ignorance. And, and so here the Spirit comes to us today to clear it all up. And he says to John, the elder says to John, this is verse 14. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. These are the ones coming out. So they're constantly coming out. It's like a, one of those TV shows. Pop! Oh, there's another one. Pop! It just came out. Constantly coming out of this great tribulation. And it is, it is a great not a little one. It is a great tribulation. The great tribulation. That's what they're coming out of. So it's no wonder. Like, If we're going to consider this a great tribulation, the great tribulation, then we need to understand something about what these people are facing and what we are facing every single day with our faith life. Jesus said, if he hadn't ended it, the time of great distress, who would come out? And would anyone make it? The tribulation is going to be so great, the Bible says, that it's going to test our faith up to its limits. So it stands to reason then that these are people who are wounded. These are people who have suffered defeats. These are people who have been tested. And these are people who, if we would put metaphorical robes on them, they are dirty. Because of where they've been. You see, on this side of things, we are in the great tribulation. So who are these people then? And where do they come from? They're the, ones, they're the ones coming out of that great tribulation. They're the ones who have found the greatest detergent of all. And you already know what it is. The blood of Jesus. These are people who have seen that they're grimy and dirty and wounded and they've taken their robes and they've washed them in the blood of the Lamb and now they're, they're white as snow. Who are these people and where do they come from? These are people who have visited the cross of Jesus and they're coming on out. And so what, what the elder wants us to do is to come out of the pain of ignorance and into the to the joy of knowing because we know who these people are, at least some of them. 
I can tell you personally who some of them are. One of them's my wife. You know, when we got married, I've never actually wanted to preach on this text because of this. But when I proposed to her, we sat down and we read these verses. And then we had these verses engraved on the inside of our wedding. They're there. Because we know where we're going. And we know where we're walking. And I know my daughters, Taylor, Brooke, and Felicity are going to be there. The ones that God has washed in baptism. The ones that He's chosen. He will not fail them. He will hold us in His grasp. And I know that you'll be there too. I know that because He sent His Son for you. I know that He's washed all your sins away in baptism. I know that because you'll receive His body and blood here this morning. I know that you'll be there too, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come on out of that pain of ignorance. We, we can put faces on those immortal ones. We can put faces on those victorious ones. They are you and they are I. Heaven is full. It's diverse. But more than that, it is fantastically full of the people that we love who have washed their, their, their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And i got to tell you this, just one last point. Heaven is better than you can possibly believe. That's the last point that, John, that the elder makes to John. Isn't that true? And he makes that point really by, by negation. He's, he's like, you're never going to be hungry there. You're never going to cry there. You're, none of these things are going to happen to you anymore. As a kid, I used to think like a child about heaven. It was very infantile. I, I actually thought as a kid that heaven would be boring. You know why? Because I thought heaven would be like going to church. And I thought when I went to church as a kid, I thought church was boring. <laughs> I thought all we do there, the adults, they just talk all the time. And then we sing songs and then we go home. And I thought, if heaven's like that, I don't know if I want to go there. There's this one time where I actually got in trouble in church because I was so bored. And my parents were singing in the choir. And I got, we were sitting in the front row, by the way. And I started in the front row to direct the choir next to the director. So my mom made me sit in front of a clock for an hour after church. That's what, that was our punishment as kids. We'd have to sit and watch the clock. Now that was boring. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I, I want to just clear this up with you this morning. Heaven's not boring. And yes, there's going to be a choral festival there. No, no doubt about it, but that's not, I don't want people to go home thinking that's all we're going to do in heaven. Clearly not, Right? You're not going to be hungry. That means there's going to be a feast too. There's all kinds of other things. We, we just get to see a little taste of it. But you know what I think? 
This is speculation. And it's not in the Bible. But I figure, I figure that God's going to give us the opportunity with our best gifts to praise Him. So I figure that the golfers are going to golf. But now to God's glory, not to their own. I figure that the runners are going to run. I figure that the poets are going to write poetry. I figure that all of our best gifts in heaven, the things that we truly love doing, will all be done to His glory, and that, that heaven will not be boring at all. But it'll be full and diverse and more awesome than you can possibly imagine. And there's joy in knowing that. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen.